Welcome to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by Booking Protect. If you offer tickets at your venue and you aren't offering your fans and guests booking protection for their tickets, you are missing out on an opportunity to enhance their experience, to give them security and peace of mind, and to expand your organization's revenue. To find out more, visit their website at www.bookingprotect.com. Now, today's episode is really interesting. And it's a really, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the conversation I had with Adam White, the CEO of Front Office Sports, took a direction that I had no idea that it was going to take. And what that means is that we spent a lot of time talking about the brand. I have not had a chance on this podcast to talk a lot about branding thus far, and I didn't expect to necessarily talk with Adam a lot about branding, but it was really a refreshing conversation because Adam spent a great deal of time talking about the importance of their brand, what they want the brand to mean, you know, how they make sure that their brand maintains integrity, um, and a lot of the different ideas about making sure that your brand has a premium value, um, that, you know, people hold a certain image in your mind when they think about your brand and all all kinds of really interesting things that if you followed my writing or my speaking over time, you would recognize as themes that I brought up. And the fact that it came up just naturally in our conversation was really exciting to me. Um, Adam and his team at Front Office Sports are doing a great job and it was really cool to have him on because I didn't know Adam before we started talking. So I hope you dig this conversation. I want to welcome Adam White to the Business of Fun podcast. Adam, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. It's always uh, always good to hop on and talk shop for a little bit. Yeah, no, this was uh, – you have been one of the people that that uh, my Twitter followers, the people on LinkedIn, uh, even people who have been emailing their listeners have asked to talk to. And as I checked you out, I mean, you've done like some really awesome things. I mean, for everybody that doesn't know, you have started Front Office Sports and you've grown the site to be, you know, like really heavily trafficked and create some really great content. Like I saw the thing you posted recently about the Oakland A's new ticketing um, program. And also, as I was mentioning just before we hopped on, the the video that you did with David Wright from Minor League Baseball, who I think is just a, a really great uh, sports executive and really smart guy. Um, for my audience who maybe isn't as familiar with you, yep. can you give us a little a background on, on front office sports and kind of like how you got there? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, front office sports now is never what it was supposed to be, right? So that's kind of how things work out, I guess, uh, especially when you're in school. So uh, when I started at the University of Miami, I was studying sports administration, like many people who dream of working in sports, who were athletes who, you know, couldn't, you know, figure out getting a way to be professional or, you know, just didn't have the the right stuff or, or whatever it may be. And so while I was there, uh, you know, one of the projects, like many sports management programs, was to participate in an informational interview and do an informational interview with someone who worked in the sports industry. And so I was like, okay, I will do an informational industry or informational interview with someone but how is how can I take that a little you know one step further, right? So if I'm gonna take the time to interview someone, what what can I do that'll give me a and give them a better reason to say yes? So my big thing is 
basically providing everyone with every reason possible to say yes and the, the, the fewest reasons possible to say no. So whether it's proposals or you know, whether we're looking to do a story or whatever it is, it's at that first reach out, whatever it may be, providing enough people to say yes or enough information to say yes. And so as I got to thinking and I did some research and I said, well, look, there's so many stories about LeBron and rightfully so, right? But there's so many stories about Kyrie and all these other people but there's a lot of people who work in the sports industry and there's not a lot of stories about them, you know, or readily available stories about them. And so for us, it was the, you know, the really interesting thing was, all right, what can I do to get in front of the people that I want to get in front of to make sure I have the potential to have a job when I done, get done graduating from UM? And then, you know, how can I learn from people along the way? And so I sat down with my dad and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I want to do this. We looked into a couple names. I was like, it was supposed to be executive report at the beginning. And then I was like, nah, it doesn't work. And somehow, lo and behold, it came front office sports. Uh, I paid one of my buddies at the time who I went to high school with $40 for the logo that we don't have currently. We used to have until up, uh, up until 2018 when we changed over at the beginning of this year. And I put together a little Wix website, bought frontofficesports.org, uh, because frontofficesports.com at the time was a premature ejaculation website, cyber squatter, <laughs> obviously. That's not really something that, that happens to deal with that. And so brought the .org, uh, you know, made sure I had Adam at frontofficesports.org. And what's funny is it's just those little things that for us, we've always punched above our weight class in terms of like, you know, people from the outside looking in see us as, you know, a much larger organization than we really are, right? Like, quite frankly, I just went full-time. I was the first full-time person on May of 2018, right? And that was four, almost four years after we started, like the first time someone went full-time and was actually being paid by what we're doing. And, but it's just those little things like that in the very beginning and, and something that if people are listening and thinking about starting whatever, it's doing that, right, is making sure you have the domain, making sure you're Dave at whatever it is dot com, uh, because when you make the outreach and you say, hey, look, I'm Dave at frontofficesports.org if we're using that, it just is a lot more professional than Dave6387 at Gmail, right? It just, it comes off differently. And so I was like, all right, let's give this a whirl. I posted in a few LinkedIn groups said, hey, I'm looking to interview some sports. People who work in sports would love to tell your story. And that was the big thing. And that's the thing we've always championed is, in fact, in, 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 instead of us, you know, asking for something, right, you know, hey, I need tickets or hey, I need this or hey, I need that. It says, you know, it's always been, hey, let us tell your story. Let us allow you to have our platform to talk about what you are doing and not, you know, and you don't have to expect anything in return, right? Like, it's just, let us tell your story. And so that was, that was the pitch from day one is, I just want to tell your story and I have this platform. I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk and I'm going to publish it. And, you know, for the people who don't work in the industry and for people in just in general, the easiest way to get people talking is to ask them about themselves because everyone usually likes to talk about themselves. As you can see, I'm now droned on here for a few minutes. But so that's where it started. And it was informational interviews. I did 110 informational interviews over the course of the first year. Uh, so I was basically doing one or two uh, a day or, you know, one or two every two days or whatever it was. And I was just getting them out as fast as I can. It was funny because then Russ joined to do like some social media stuff. Russ also went to UM with me. 
Uh, and it was just supposed to be like a cool little hobby that we worked on throughout the course of the time we were at UM. And, it, you know, he went on to have a job and then I would, you know, get a job once I graduated. Fast forward, you know, three years to where we are now. And as I was getting done with school, we had ramped up a lot of things. We had launched the Rising 25. Uh, we were in the second year by the time I was only a year out of school. And more people had started to come to us for content other than just interviews with people, right? We still do that. We still feature people because that's, you know, we obviously find that important. But people started looking for another voice in the industry, another outlet that they could go to for content, another place that they could look for, for, you know, information and for things that may be different and insight that may be different. And so it was just all basically what people wanted. Right. And a lot of, most of our stuff has just been cultivated through the people who found us and said, Hey, look, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And so, you know, now we've turned into the goal is to have between three to five pieces of high quality content that takes people beyond just the what my, my saying is anyone can, anyone can tell the what, not everyone can tell the how and the why. Uh, and if people are going to spend four to five minutes on the site, I want those four to five minutes to be something that is valuable and that's something that they can walk away and take away basically some sort of information from whatever piece they may read. Say, for example, today we you know did a piece on the Oakland A's and their group sales team basically leading the charge for their entire sales team in terms of you know setting the foundation. And before this, the A's didn't even have a, a real structured group sales team um, before they, they hired these people. And so, and so the idea is that who say someone from the Diamondbacks or whatever is reading this and saying, wow, you know, the A's are having this success with their group sales team. You know, maybe we should invest more in group sales. Like, and I obviously don't know the, the scope and the scale of the Diamondbacks group sales team, but if it's an example is that the tangibleness, we want you to be able to get tangible value out of everything we produce uh, because of the fact that like, that's, that's what creates innovation. That's what moves the industry forward. And that's where we want to be. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's where we've gotten to. And the videos are, you know, an offshoot of that again, you know, trying to create as much, as much value as we can, uh, and do it in a fun and engaging way and make it seem like we're someone who talks to you as a friend would talk to you and not as a publication would talk down to you. You know, it wants to be like, Hey, we're front office sports, but we think you would like this because we think this is cool because we're people who've worked in the industry or so on and so forth. And so, yes, yeah, been quite a journey and, and quite an evolution and a change, but, uh, kind of happy with where we are now. And, you know, there's a huge, huge opportunity in front of us to continue to, to do things a little bit differently and, and continue to grow in, in a space where while people know about us, there's still quite a few people who don't know about us. Well, hopefully the podcast will help with the people who don't know because uh, the audience for this is like a little, probably going to be a little different, a little wider than typical, uh, at least I hope. But what uh, you said a bunch of really, really interesting things that I'm going to try to highlight now. Yeah. The first thing is, is that, and this has become a little bit of a theme, which is you said that you started front office sports with a Wix website, which is what, $10 a month? Uh, something like that. Yeah, yep. a $40 domain name, or a, I'm sorry, not even a domain name, $10 for the domain name or so, or so yeah. and then $40 for the logo. So yep. my, my, I'm not very good at math, 
that says that seems to be less than a hundred bucks. Um, yep. And like I said, was telling you before how much they cost to start this podcast that has been, you know, that gets a really great listenership and has a really nice audience was less than a hundred bucks. Um, and a lot of the listeners who are here are inside of arts and sports organizations in some way touch entertainment. And what you said, what I've said, and then what the, uh, one of my last podcasts uh, was with a guy called Dan Marr from the Diablo Ballet. Uh, you know, it's like all these tools that we have access to to test and experiment and kind of create uh, products, content, uh, opportunities for ourselves, all are relatively inexpensive. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and I think I don't want that opportunity to highlight that to be passed because I think that's a phenomenal lesson that everybody should learn, no matter if they're in an organization or outside of an organization, is that like for a hundred bucks you can te- you can create and test something that maybe like with more resources behind it could become bigger and better or cost doesn't necessarily have to be the barrier, uh, you know, a barrier to trying it and innovating, you know, and like you highlighted the innovation. So, you know, that's the first thing. I mean, that's just like fantastic that again, you see another business that's, you know, grown exponentially from a hundred dollar investments. That's fantastic. Um, but what I, what I really want to talk about here is I like the, the way that you go beyond what into how and why. And, I think that's really valuable for everybody because, again, some of the the content that is created is often can be a little too um, surface level, or um, you know, or even dare I say, fanboyish, and yeah. so it becomes not very helpful for people. You know, so like, how do you and your in your team kind of make sure that you're focused on the how and the why, and make sure that you keep creating these content that is really valuable. You know, what does that process look like? Because I, you know, as somebody who creates a fair amount of content on my own, yep. you know, that can be a struggle sometimes because like, my God, when you, it would seem like it would get easier the more you do, but it sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, it's still a, a bit of a challenge. So how do you guys keep it going and keep it fresh and keep the ideas flowing? Yeah, so obviously it's it really comes down to a lot of the times just what people are talking about. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very active, and I may not post all the time on Twitter, but I'm watching a lot of the times what people are saying, what people are talking about, what trends people are mentioning, uh, and then also too, we just unveiled a new thing in our in our newsletter where we pull people at the end of the newsletter. Right, we pull people and say, you know, do you feel like your healthy or your sports, your, your job in sports has made you less healthy. Right. And, you know, we have 43% of people saying, yes, I feel like my job has made me less healthy. Well, there's a storyline right there. There's something that hasn't been covered. There's an opportunity to do that. Right. And so that's one of the other things. And I really just look at a lot of times, like what people are talking about, like I mentioned before, and there's no real science behind it. It's just like, I follow a lot of people and we follow people and I follow hashtags and I look and I see, all right, well, this person's talking about sponsorship and this person's talking about ticket sales and this person's talking about, you know, OTT platforms and how that's impacting things. And then, you know, even I did a a shot callers episode, which was a video, uh, our video series for those who don't know. And the guy I talked to this weekend was talking about how tariffs are impacting what they do and especially in the automotive industry and importing things and parts and pieces and how that could potentially affect their business over the course of the next three to five years, right? And so 
a lot of it really comes down to a what we think are, is going to be interesting and what b what people have told us they think is interesting right we have all the metrics behind the content we understand what people are looking for and the the real opportunity is that we try to basically set the tone before we even go into the conversation right and and the thing is is or even like if people you know pitch us on something right hey we have this announcement you know would you like to cover this and and yeah we we we'd like to cover it but we want to take that one step further and it and it takes time and it's not easy you know anyone and you know their mother can take a press release write the press release do a couple you know take the quotes from the press release do a couple different sentences and you know okay that's a story okay yeah that's great but when you're trying to find a way especially for us because a no one knows no one knew who we were at the beginning and b we're entering in a, into a, a market that is i wouldn't say extremely competitive but at the top level is highly monopolized in terms of who is covering what and how many people are attached to that publication. And so it's like, okay, so what are we going to do? That's going to be different. And the nice thing also about taking it one step further with the how and the why is that you're engaging your audience in terms of you're asking for quotes, right? You can't get the how and the why unless you're asking for direct quotes from people. And what's nice about that is sometimes those direct quotes then turn into a different story or they turn into something more than a story, right? And they turn into a whole new relationship that you've built with this PR people because they're like, wow, these people took the extra time to put a little bit more effort. They wrote a piece that was much more impactful and we're going to work with them in the future now because they wanted to, to add a different value to us. And so, you know, it comes down to the way we look at it is three different things, right? What the audience and the industry is talking about, what they're telling us, by their metrics and their responses to polls and everything like that. Uh, and then, you know, who we can then leverage to find a way to either get to the people that we want to, that we want to speak with or can then go ahead and, and, you know, leverage the people that we already know to basically allow us to, to get more information from them. So that's kind of like the, the overview of it. It's not really anything top secret. It's not our secret sauce. It's just, we, instead of taking 10 minutes, we take 20 minutes. And it's funny, I just saw an interesting quote, and I think it was our quote of the day the other day, and I believe it was from Roger Staubach, and his quote was, there is never a traffic jam on the extra mile, or something along that lines. Like, you know, obviously everyone's like, oh, go the extra mile, go the extra mile. And it was interesting, because he said, there's never an extra, or there's never a traffic jam when you go the extra mile. Um, and that's, you know, c tends to be the case uh, for us is that you're providing that extra value. People see that people attach to that. You get people in a rhythm where it's like, okay, front office sports today is going to have three to five pieces of content that I'm not going to see anywhere else because I know it's completely unique and completely original to them. And I'm going to make sure that I go and check out and see what they're doing because I know I'm going to learn something today. Yeah, and I think and that, I, that's the the point that you made about going taking the extra step. You know, and instead of trying to put up twenty articles a day, you, you maybe put three to five up you yeah. know, over the course of you know a week or a day or whatever. You know, you know, it's not predefined, right? It's like I'm not going to put something up just because I feel like I have to to drive clicks. And you know, so much of you know, not just like sports, business media, but just media in general. It's like we haven't learned that lesson that. You know, just posting stuff, um, 
might get you clicks, but it's awful for your brand and it doesn't really create value so that in the long term, nobody, people stop paying attention to you, right? It's like the boy who cried wolf. It, you know, it's, and so, you know, when you say that instead of taking 10 minutes, we might take 15, but I'm guaranteeing to anybody who's listening, who is thinking about what they should do next, it's like that extra five minutes probably pays off exponentially, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you go from do it, the 10 minute thing, that extra five minutes, 50% more time, you have more impact than a hundred of the, the story, the regular stories that go out. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, it, it really comes down to that. And then I, I just had a, I had a thought, but when you, the other thing too is like basically creating whatever the brand is, is creating something within the brand that people can then attach to, right? Why do people buy a BMW? Why do people buy a Porsche? Why do people wear, you know, Hugo Boss or, or, you know, Lululemon or whatever is because of what these brands represent, right? And so when you think about it from that angle is, is what is, what is it that you want your brand to represent? If it's three to five pieces of premium quality content that you think people are going to get a lot out of, what does that represent, right? If it's 20 pieces of quick hitting, you know, stuff that you can get anywhere else, then what does that represent, right? I, I always tell people because I was, uh, you know, I'm big into the restaurant industry. I worked in a bar, worked in a bunch of different ways, working my way through school. Is people go to McDonald's and pay two dollars, three dollars because they know what they're gonna they know what they're gonna get for two to three dollars, right? There's a stigma with McDonald's. I'm gonna get a, a cheap burger. It's gonna be quick. It's gonna be two to three dollars. But that's the only ever value that I'm going to extract out of it, right? McDonald's, if they charge $10 for something, people are going to be like, no, you're McDonald's. I'm never going to pay $10 for something because that's not your price point, which is fine. People own that. But the thing is, is once you get to the price point, and this is with anything, where you're charging, say, $10, $15, $20, you have to provide exponential value as to why people should pay for that, right? But once you deliver... It also gives you the opportunity to work down too. So say if you want to do something maybe a little bit you know, less expensive, if you want to offer some – people will pay that because they'll still expect the same quality as that $10 and they'll be like, oh, I'm getting a great deal versus instead of McDonald's where it's like, oh, I'm not getting a great deal. I'm just being charged more for something that I know is the same quality versus you go to the premium thing and you're, you know, you're delivering a premium product or you're charging a premium price and then you may discount it and people are like, oh, wow, they're just giving me a deal. And it's that perception, right? It's that brand perception that you create. And we like to do it and judge it too on, you know, if people dealt with the front office sports brand on a day-to-day basis, would they hypothetically wear our brand on a t-shirt, right? Like would people be proud enough of what we've done and their affinity towards us to that they would rep us on a t-shirt. And you see this with like Barstool and other things like that. And not saying we're, the bar, we're, we're comparative to Barstool. Obviously they're, you know, a hundred person company and valued at a hundred million dollars. I can only hope we're at that point in terms of, you know, opportunity and impact within the industry. But people wear their shirts like crazy, right? People, people associate with their shirts. People are proud to wear their shirts. And so how can, as we build a brand and as anyone's building a brand, how can you create something that people are generally engaged with and involved with and are reaching out to you and are trying to help you work along this because you're, you're giving them value day in and day out. And so for us, like one time we just tested it and we're like, Hey, we're going to sell a t-shirt. 
not a damn intern. We have a lot of people who work in digital media. And lo and behold, I think we sold like 40 shirts. And yeah, we may have made like 200 bucks by the time we're done. But the fact that even 40 people would buy our shirts is like, it tells us something that, hey, you know, what we're doing, we're on the right track. Uh, and so that's kind of like a benchmark that we use is, will people respond when we ask for feedback? If people aren't responding when you're asking for feedback, obviously they're not engaged, right? So how do you change that? And beyond that, if you're asking people to wear your brand, are people going to be, are they going to wear your brand? Right? Like people, again, the same thing, people wear a Lululemon because of what Lululemon represents. People wear Nike because of what Nike represents. It's not generally that Nike is better than Under Armour. It's just that Nike's brand value is so important and so ingrained in so many people that when you wear Nike, it's like you feel something a little bit different than when you may wear Under Armour. And, you know, then there's an Under Armour loyalist who, might wear Under Armour because they feel something different than then when they wear Nike, right? An Under Armour person might feel like The Rock, who's a big endorser for the brand, when they wear Under Armour versus Nike, you know, they maybe not be able to relate to some of the Nike endorsers. So it's a big song and dance, but I think you have to set the bar for yourself early and basically just continue to to focus on that, right? I know we're never going to be Darren Ravel and be able to break all these stories, at least right now, right? Like that's that's not what we're in the business of. But I know for a fact that every time someone comes to front office sports, they're going to get three to five pieces of content that they're going to learn something from and they're not going to find anywhere else. And for us, you know, if we continue to own that and be in that lane, it allows us to, to be different and, and be unique and, and be ourselves. And, and that's what people eventually end up coming back for, right? For us, it's much more important to have you know, 50% return visitors or 60% return visitors or whatever it is versus, you know, 80% new all the time, all the time, all the time. If you're getting, if you're only having 80% new visitors, obviously a, there's a high churn rate, but there's nothing that's keeping people coming back for more. And we want people coming back for more. That's, and that, that's like a really good point to emphasize too, because the thing is, is, um, and this is, again, in sports business or anything that has to do with tickets, um, which is a lot of the people who listen to this, this a lot of times, they they don't put enough emphasis on this, keeping your customer over the long term. I write, you know, we talk about how and why. I write a lot of, constantly almost, about the need for keeping people coming back for more, right? Like, how do you extend the relationship? How do you increase the lifetime customer value? Because it is so much cheaper to keep a customer than it is to create one. And a satisfied customer, you know, they, they, um, you know, they cut the cost of your customer acquisition even more. So it's cheaper than replacing them, but it also becomes cheaper for every other person, right? Because I mean, as, as you know, much of a cliche as it might sound like at this point, the idea that, um, word of mouth is very, is the most powerful form of marketing is true. And another thing that you really highlighted and spent a lot of time on, and I definitely I would say don't um, you know undersell yourself at all on this thing, is the power of the brand, right? The brand is maybe your most valuable asset. And so like every time you, you pull back and you push forward and maybe spend that extra minute, couple minutes on a story instead of putting out um, you know 10 stories or two or three times the number of stories each day, you're strengthening that brand promise, right? And like, I know that the more, you know, the bigger the company gets, the more traffic you get, the more things that go on, that's going to be a fight that you're going to continue to have. It's like, 
try, trying to do too much to stay true to your brand value. Um, you know, and I think that's a really important thing for everybody to, you know, kind of understand and grasp is that you do have to stand for something. And, you know, you stated it very clearly. And, I, you know, I really, you know, probably the most clearly I've heard stated, uh, you know, on the podcast so far about how important your brand is and how much, you know, how meaningful it is. Yeah. No, I mean, you just, our big thing is you just have to put the, the brand first in, in everything you do. Uh, right. Right. Whether it's because that's going to be, that's going to be what people associate with, right? Like funny thing is today, you know, and obviously this podcast is going to be played at a later time, but today we're doing stuff and you know, the mayor of some small town in Indiana follows us but knows by following us what we cover and posted a tweet about how the Indianapolis Colts moved inside their practice bubble today because of weather and you know wanted to see if that was unique within the NFL and tagged us because he knows that's what we cover and he knows that's the kind of stuff that we do and he and he tagged us and I mean this is a guy who doesn't work in sports this is a guy who's the mayor of a small town in Indiana who just happened to come across us and has been following us and that's the kind of stuff that we look for right is is what can we do to continue to purvey and put out this message that you're always going to get and get unique stuff here. You're always going to have a voice that's going to engage with you. There's always going to be discussion behind it. Um, and I just, it's not rocket science, but the thing is when you look at a lot of what makes all of these great companies great is the fact that their brands are so dang strong, right? Right. Like look at Elon Musk, right. For, Whatever, if you hate him, you love him, you, you, you die by the sword, whatever it is with him, the dude is a quintessential brand marketer to the max, right? He has put Tesla and what a Tesla means and what the brand of Tesla means in such a space that he can go out and he can sell flamethrowers and he can sell hats and he can sell $1,500 surfboards. And while it may seem like a gimmick, it's it's not right. The fact that this dude can go out and sell fifteen hundred surfboards and sell two hundred of them out in an hour. Granted, two hundred of them isn't isn't incredible, but that's it, and it has Tesla and it's all because of what Tesla means to people, right? And you know what he means to people. And again, it's just like it's it, it even boils down to like what if you want to think about it, if you want to take it all the way down to the personal brand level, like what do you mean? To people right yeah. and like that is that is the thing is that that's so, so important is that you know as we've built up front office sports obviously the, the more that our personal brands have built up but it becomes a direct correlation to who you are so whether it's the diamondbacks whether it's you know whatever it may be it's like what like who are you and and what what value do you present and and what is and and what is that brand worth, right? In the grand scheme of things, and so, our we spend so much time on making sure, you know, even when we did the the logo, right? We wanted to make sure the logo meshed with the brand laurels that we were doing. We wanted to make sure that everything we put out is about the brand laurels, right? Our mission statement. And our guiding light is is like innovation through collaboration, right? And so if you look at all of the things we do, it's 
some type of collaboration or we're sharing someone else's, you know, someone else's content or we're, you know, celebrating someone in the industry or whatever it may be. Right. So you go to our newsletter and whether our, while our newsletter is, you know, front office sports newsletter, 80% of the content isn't even ours, right? We're talking about other people's content. We're writing about other people's content, but our content is still in there. And so it's, it's not like people forget about us, but the thing is, is that they then associate that brand with the value that you are bringing them because you are streamlining their morning because they can go to your newsletter and say, Hey, look, like this is, you know, I just need to read one newsletter and I'm good for the day. Right. I know it, I know it's going to be, you know, fair and cover different parts of the industry. And so that's another thing too, is making sure if we're talking about the branding side of things, how can you position your brand to be a conduit for things that people are going to enjoy? Right. So whether it's, and this is what we talk to our partners a lot, right? So, hey, you guys want to work with us and sponsor something. Okay, let's find something that works that people are going to associate with your brand as someone who brought them this really cool opportunity. So if it's an event, if it's a webinar, if it's a content series, if it's a video, whatever it may be, people are going to associate your brand with bringing them content that's relevant and valuable to them. And it becomes much more of a, a direct association versus just a, you know, hey, this is presented by, no, it's, wow, thank goodness for University Online or thank goodness for Influencer for supporting FOS and, and doing this because I got to get a, a bunch of great value out of this, right? I got to have the opportunity to have this newsletter. I got to have the opportunity to read this piece of content. I had the opportunity to see this video, right? And so that's where we like to make sure, A, our brand is a conduit for great content and then great access into the industry, right? Like that's the way, that's where we see ourselves is like people come to us because of the access we have within the industry and what we produce. And then, you know, we want to make sure that brands who partner with us, people associate those brands with something that is positive to them. So they, instead of just being a brand partner, they're more like a brand conduit, right, for us. And that's how we like to, to, to form the relationships and have seen a you know, really positive response from that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah. this is like, I mean, this is fantastic. I would have had no idea that we were going to go like so in depth into branding um, <laughs> when we sat down, but it's, it's great because it's like something, again, that I emphasize a lot, right? It's um, a friend of mine, Ian, in who is based in the UK one, a few weeks back, there was like some conversation going on about brands or it was like something about brands. And he, and he goes, and he emails me, he goes, he goes, you definitely are a brand. <laughs> and, and it's so true because like when you're talking about your personal brand, um, you know, yours is strong. You know, I, Jason that works with you, he has a strong brand, you know, the FOS brand is very strong. And, you know, you, you brought up somebody like the Diamondbacks or, you know, a lot of these other, a lot of the teams, they, I, I think they have maybe bought into the idea that their brands are impenetrable, and that they have they they didn't don't have to pay attention to them. Um, and you know, hopefully, though, like what we've been talking about, will re- kind of people listen to it and it'll reinforce the idea that like you can't take your brand for granted, right? Like you, I mean, you've sat here for the last fifteen or twenty minutes, you know, sp- drilling down on like two or three really key points that, you know, I, I don't hope people didn't miss, which is like, there's got to be a consistency here, right? If you come to front office sports and you, you, you know that you're going to get this consistent level of high quality content that's focused on how and why, right? And we're not going to give up on that. You you know that like what we stand for, there's a brand, there's a, a seal of approval 
to our brand, right? So that like you can trust us, right? Which is again a key aspect of the brand. And then finally, it's that you people understand that when they get to you, that like whatever you you share or give, it's there's value there. And I mean, these are like three like such incredible points that I think that like no matter what part of the industry or no matter what angle they're coming from, you have to recognize the importance of this because it becomes very easy to undercut your brand if you aren't focusing on that, on like value and consistency and like keeping your word, you know, and it's, yep. and like, you know, I don't, I don't even know how old you are, but you're much younger than I am. And to hear that, like, you know, come from someone who's, you know, you know, doing something like this is really awesome because I don't know that anybody really pays as much attention to this branding as they should, you know, like, uh, you know, because I know I preach it constantly. So, th- I mean, this yep. is really, really great. Yeah, I mean, even like simple stuff, right? So recently, and this is just, again, us being open about, you know, how we operate. And because I think, again, again, and, and then you'll see, like, we are very transparent about what we're doing. Because, again, it's innovation through collaboration. Like, we want people to understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, right? So when we release the new logo at the beginning of 2018, we wrote a whole, I wouldn't say manifesto, but a whole piece on the evolution of the logo, why we did it, how it came about, what the logo stands for, what it means, why it looks the way it does, why we changed it, all these other things. And just being open and having that conversation. And then recently, right, we changed. If you go on the site, again, this was about more doing stuff that was unique and, and different. I, for a while, was battling because we were getting stock images and all of our content looked the same. And I was thinking to myself, okay – you know, what can we do at least with imagery to stand out on social feeds, to stand out on Google news feeds, to stand out on the off chance we get injected into Bleacher Report and other people's who are aggregators, like those kind of feeds. And I happened to stumble upon Canva. And so now if you look at the site, that's every single, before anybody goes any further, that is like one of the, if you don't know that about Canva, you you're missing out it's a great it's a great tool i'm sorry but that's like no, it's awesome fun. tool yeah yeah we pay you know i pay 13 bucks a month or whatever it is and i get access to all of these you know basically like illustrated type stuff but for me who doesn't really have a design background and i did take a year of photoshop but not well enough to do stuff like this it allows every single one of our pieces to have a unique distinct look from the get go right so if you're scrolling through social if you're on LinkedIn, if you happen to be on Google News and you see our image, right, you know, if you know who we are, you know that's a front office sports piece right away, right? And so that's what we want. That's what we want to have happen, right? Is there's so much, and I'm not going to say that our, our all of our content is that thumb-stopping content, but as people scroll through feeds, we want them to have that opportunity to, like, catch a glimpse of, you know, a bright color and realize, oh, that's front office sports. Maybe I should stop and check out what they're writing because I, I love it. Uh, and then even just on the newsletter, right, again, back to that, for a while we had called it the FOS Daily, right? And for people in the industry, a lot of people know us as FOS, just ever, like everyone knows Sports Business Journal is SBJ, right? But for all the people who don't, we felt like that was a lost opportunity for us to have our brand story front and center, right? And so we changed it from FOS Daily to just front office sports, so now every time everyone looks at the newsletter, they see front office sports. Every morning it's front office sports, front office sports, front office sports. So 
if you get people to open your email 90% of the time, they become their routine starts to become part of the acclimation and the association with front office sports, right? Okay, I, I know a newsletter's coming. I know an email's coming at 7.30, and, oh, I got an email at 7.30. I bet you it's the front office sports newsletter, right, or, or whatever it is. And so that's what we wanted to do is we felt we were losing out because, A, there may be new subscribers who may not know what the hell FOS means. And if you look throughout the rest of the newsletter, yeah, we have new on FOS now down, and we may even change that where we've always had that like new on FOS where we have our content. We may even change that. But at the beginning, you at least know, okay, front office sports. That's what I'm looking at, front office sports. This is all from front office sports. And again, it just comes down to making sure that the brand continues to stay first and the brand continues to be relatable and the brand continues to be someone that people associate with, right? Like, again, why do people – everyone knows what the golden arches are, right? It's because yeah. of McDonald's, it's because they built that brand. And quite honestly, a lot of the times, many reasons why certain companies succeed versus others not is because of what the brand stands for. Why, you know, quite honestly, Starbucks, yes, Starbucks makes decent coffee, but when you boil it down to it, Starbucks is selling you water, milk, and ice, usually, for the most part, if you're not getting food, for five dollars plus a cup, and that's it, right? And I would actually <laughs> it, push. It, I would push that back even on that because they're, they're they're barely selling you that. What they are is selling you is a story, which is what exactly. Your brand and that's, is. And, but that's well, that's what I'm saying is that they they get away with the opportunity of selling you all this stuff that, in the grand scheme of things, is probably worth ten cents, but they can sell it at a premium because of what Starbucks represents, because of what Starbucks and you holding that cup. And what people see you and what people and what you think of yourself when you're drinking a Starbucks and you're walking around, whether that's, you know, you're associating it with productivity or you're associating it with, you know, I've taken a step up in my career because instead of buying, you know, dollar coffee shop coffee, I now have, can afford a Starbucks. You know, it's just it's crazy to think about. But, you know, when you really boil it down, that's that's why a lot of these brands are so successful. I mean, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it, it's an old thing, right? It's people like us do this, right? Um, you know, people like you – know, that's why there's a really great book that I know when, in my writing I turn people to all the time uh, is a colleague of mine, Martin Lindstrom. And he wrote a book called Biology, which talks about uh, neuroscience behind marketing. But there's a book called Brandwashed. And so like, you know, you know take for example the iPhone. That The, the iPhone, the design – the, lay, the way the iPhone looks is just as important as anything else because it, it helps with that brand and that story. It reinforces everything that, about what Apple means, right? And, and so, like, if you start neglecting your brand and not thinking that, thinking that you can, you know, take a pass at it or neglect it at all, you can't because it's like it's everything you do. It's, you know, and it's so valuable that you should never ignore it because, you know, you might not get a second chance. Yep, exactly. I mean, the thing, you know, the thing always is you're, you never have the second chance to make a first impression, right? And so that's, again, comes down to our credence and what we do and, and us just sharing more insight is, you know, what in that first impression can we leave, right? You know, you see the, the bright colors on the newsletter, you see front office sports. When you go to our Twitter feed, you see variety, you see us sharing other people's stuff, you see us conversing, asking people questions, polls, things like that. You know, it's just, 
it's so important and it can be so overlooked, but like, that's the reason why even people, right. You know, why is, why is Adam Schefter, right. Or Adrian Wojnarowski. Like obviously he built up the fact that everyone knows Woj because of his Woj bombs. And yes, he has this access, but he's built up this aura around him and himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, and he owns that and he works on that every single day, day in and day out. Ninja, streamer, same thing, right? He has this aura about him. Whatever, whoever it is that you may find, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? You you look at him and you follow him on the social media and he's the dude, yeah, he makes $100 million a year, but the way he interacts and engages with his audience, it makes him feel like he's just the average Joe, right? That he's just like someone else grinding in the gym and grinding to get this done and grinding to provide for his family. And that's it just becomes relatable and and i think that's especially nowadays with any of the consumers that you're working with or any of the people that you're trying to to influence quote unquote to do something you have to be relatable to them in some regards right and and the more ways that you can be relatable and do it in a genuine way and and again and again and repeat it and repeat it over and over and over again you're going to be successful i mean i couldn't say it better myself um you know, it's the, the idea that there's a real person behind this, right? Or that there's some kind of personality um, in the brand. You know, like you, everything doesn't have to be buttoned up in corporate, right? Yeah. So, some of this stuff should be fun, right? It, it's But it all needs to lead back to some sort of connection. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I really like, I, I, I'm like so glad we had this conversation like about branding. I mean, because again, I, you know, I had really no idea where these conversations go sometimes. And it's like, been like for me like this has been like a really great branding lesson right like to hear somebody like that like i've never talked to before reinforce all these branding ideas and all these branding lessons um you know over and over again um you know and i I, so i don't want to keep you too long because i know like you know for me it's late and for you it's you you still have a whole day of work in front of you how can people find you yeah so you can find us uh on front office sports uh, so it's just at F R N T O F F I S P O R T uh, on Twitter. Again, LinkedIn, and again, our <laughs> this all goes back to the branding thing. The website, same thing. F R N T F O F or excuse me, F O F I C E S P O R T dot com. Frontofficesports dot com still not available. But like, when we thought when we redid the logo. We went and said, okay, our, our Twitter handle is this. A lot of people know us as this. Our Instagram handle is this. A lot of people know us as this. Our Now our emails are this, so people know us as this. Now our website is this, so people know us as this. You know, that's across the board. Again, just another thing that we wanted to focus on. And so, yep, front office for F-R-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-E-S-P-O-R-T. Twitter, email, face, or excuse me, um, Instagram and uh, website, LinkedIn, just front office sports, Facebook, we don't really use. It's never been that effective for us. But if you want to look at it, it's front office sports as well there. Um, so that's kind of it. And I'll put links to all of this stuff in the, um, in the, in the show notes. And, and I hope, cause we, one of the things I wanted to talk about that we didn't even get to was how, you know, the build the email list and, you know, what the click through rates are and some of these things, because I, it's in some of the episodes I've done, that's been very valuable for people and I've gotten a lot of feedback on. So I hope you'll come back and maybe talk us through some of that stuff at some point in the, in the future. 
Um, yeah. Because I really enjoy, you know, I really enjoyed having the chance to talk with you. Yeah, of course. I'm always, always open. Uh, I think again, that's just a lot of this stuff is, is provide, it really comes down to just providing value, right? Like I talked to, and this is a perfect example, uh, and I'll just, you know, talk about emails very quick here. I was at uh, an IMSA race in Elkhorn Lake, Wisconsin this past weekend, and I spoke with one of the Lexus executives, and he mentioned something that was very interesting in the fact that, yes, they do a lot of data capture and email capture for lead gen and stuff like that, but what is interesting is instead of using those leads that they capture there at the racetrack to then send directly to dealers or send directly to you know, a sales team or whatever it is, they use these, this legion and they, instead of sending them directly to, Hey, we need something from you. They go and and create content that might be valuable to them. And so they get subscribed to what he called, I think it's the Nexus of racing newsletter or whatever it is. And so it's Lexus's racing newsletter that they put out. I think he mentioned two or three times a month and these people get content about Lexus racing. Obviously, they were at a race. They were at a Lexus booth. It's something that could be potentially relevant for them. And the idea is to then just create that repetitive interaction with the Lexus racing brand, get them to start moving down that funnel in a way that is value first, ask second, instead of, hey, we you know we got your email. We're just now going to ask you right away. And again, consumers nowadays, a lot of times they've been, they're like over-asked. There's been so many asks, so many asks, so many asks that they're just tired of being asked. And so if a brand's going to come in and provide value and continue to provide value and never ask anything in return, eventually by the time that brand either asks for something in return or those people feel so moved to then ask, hey, I want to know more about you know what new model it is. You're at a point where you're much further along with these people and you've developed much better of a relationship to something that could be much larger versus, hey, I'm going to get 2000 leads and I'm going to ask them all right away. And hopefully two to three convert versus, okay, now we have 2000 leads. We're going to sit there and feed them information that's valuable for the next six months. And maybe we have 10 to 15 convert or 20 convert, or, you know, they shared that newsletter with someone else who not, wasn't even in the booth, but they said, Hey, look, this is interesting. And now this person who may never even, even considered Lexus racing is now a fan of Lexus racing. And again, the long tail effect is so much more um, is so much more important. So I'll just stop there. <laughs> hey, we, we could do this all night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was so fantastic, Adam. Man, thank you so much for doing this. I, I think yeah. everybody's going to like really, really dig this episode. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. And uh, you know, like I said, if anything, if anyone needs anything or anything, I'm always happy to always happy to chat. So that was my conversation with Adam White from Front Office Sports. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did having it, and I hope that the conversation about brands was really helpful to you. To find out more about me and what I'm up to, visit my website. That's DaveWakeman.com. As always, I encourage you to email me with your thoughts, your ideas, your questions, your suggestions, whatever. That's my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. You can always find me on LinkedIn. You can also follow me on Twitter. Um, if you're interested in my weekly newsletter that's based around value and creating opportunities, you can send me an email at that davidavewakeman.com email address with the subject line newsletter in it. Um, as always, if you like what I'm doing on the podcast, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Go over to iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're really into it, please leave a review. 
it helps move us up in the rankings and it helps make sure that people know that we're doing this thing and that everybody else can gain as much value as you are. And until next time, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.